In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you can take your seats wherever you are. It's great to be uh, here together. It's great to, to have you online. If you're, you're joining us online, why don't you flick us your favorite emoji, your number one used emoji, if it's appropriate, and I hope that it would be. And if you're at our, our Malaloo campus as well, it's, it's great to be joining you as well. Can we make some noise for our Malaloo campus? Joining us today, I'm so excited to, to actually be back. We, uh, we had a, a long weekend off as a family and we, we enjoyed it so much that we thought we'd have a 13-day staycation uh, all together. We thought we'd try uh, holidaying in such a way where we didn't go anywhere, we didn't do anything, we, we didn't see anyone. Uh, it was fantastic, but let me tell you, I am very, very happy to be off staycation and out and about, uh, sipping lattes and, and having a good time. But most importantly, uh, it's so good to be here today. I, I do miss my online church family, though. Respect for the last three weeks. It's, it's been good. It's been good. But let me tell you, I'm glad my children are over in True North Kids having a great time. And uh, we're all good. But it's, it's great to be here. And I'm excited to, to be back into the Word today. And we're looking at some uh, passages in, in 1 Samuel and our verses are going to be uh, 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 to 13. So we'll be looking at the life of David and uh, some, just some principles that we can pull out of the, the early life of David that I believe help us as followers of Christ today to live out what he's calling us to. Does that sound all right? It's good. All right, 1 Samuel 16, we'll, we'll set this up with these, with these verses. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Tough times for Saul. Fill your horn with oil. And be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. So here's what's happening. Saul is, is currently king of Israel. But in, in tough times for Saul, it points out that the Lord had rejected him. Uh, and, and what that's meaning is that the, the Lord is saying, Saul is not following uh, my instructions the, the, the way that I want him to. His, his heart and his life are, are not following the, the trajectory they were. So I've, I've rejected him and, and it's time to anoint a new king. And so he doesn't give all Jesse, you know, I mean, he doesn't give Samuel all the instructions. He kind of leaves a little bit of uh, no spoiler alerts, but just go here and I'm going to tell you uh, who the king is going to be. And you're going to anoint them. And, and that's going to be your role. So there's a little bit of risk to that because there's a current king. It's not like there is no king. But he sends him and he goes. And, and as you can see here, he uh, immediately points out that he sees the first son and says, surely, looks at him and goes, yep, strapping young lad, this is going to be our next king. Surely it's him. And here's what the, the Lord says. We'll just pick it up in verse 7. And these are our, our key central verses here. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
Man looks at the outside appearance, but Lord looks at the heart. And what I want to present to us today is this idea of living an inside-out life. That we are called to live inside-out. Can someone say inside-out? Come on, Malalu, let me hear you. Inside-out. That's good. That was good. Some Meroa folks jumping on the Malalu train. Love it. It's good. Just joining on in. We're, we're, we're all one here, aren't we? The idea of inside-out makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Let me tell you why. A little while ago, I uh, was taking my, my son to school, and, and we walked to school. It's one of the, the great joys of uh, having a local community that you go, and you walk past, and you can say hi to other parents, and see other kids, and walk into the school. And so I did that, and then I walked back home. Then I went and dropped my daughter off. She was at, at Compass ELC at the time, so I walk in, probably see Karen, see the crew. Hey, how you doing? Walk in, drop her off. Feels like I've run a marathon, and it's like 8.55, and I, I come in, and my good friend actually, Pastor Michelle, she looks at me, she goes, I, 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 Ryan, I think your shirt's inside out. I'm like, nah, it's just a cool shirt. You know, that's how they do them. And she goes, turn around, look, your tag's hanging out. Your shirt's inside out. I'm like, beautiful. So I've been walking all through the street, saying hi to all these people, going to Compass, hey, how you all doing? And as I'm walking away, I imagine they're all looking and going, oh, these tags sticking out. Clearly, I only had one true friend that day. So I snuck into the auditorium, changed my shirt, got on with my day. But it's this idea for me. I'm like, I think that. I'm like, is my shirt in? Like, Makes me uncomfortable. But this idea of living an inside-out life, I think, makes us uncomfortable for a different reason. And it's that man, it says here, looks at the outside appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In other words, the Lord looks at what's on the inside. So for us here today, it's easy to kind of paint a picture of our lives, isn't it? What we show people, what we have, what, what's our life look like? And we let people see that from a distance. And sometimes it's easy to get tricked into going, my outside life, what I'm letting people see is the true reality of my life. But there's a little bit more to it than that. The true reality of our life is what's happening on the inside. I, I did this thing a little while ago where I was making some videos for a friend and really it was glamorous. It was like uh, filming houses, most of them in, in like not so rich suburbs. Not sure what was happening, but I'd go and I'd film these videos, make these videos and they'd use them to kind of promote their marketing or whatever. And I remember rocking up to this one house and it looked okay from like the front. I was like, oh yeah, standard kind of house out suburb, and I, 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 as I was walking in, the, the guy selling the house said, oh, I'm really going to need you to work hard on this one, like going to need, gonna need some, I think some magic is kind of what he said, I'm like, I'm not a magician, but okay, and I walked in, I was like, oh boy, why am I here? Like, this place is trashed. He's like, yeah, so basically, if you just don't go in bedroom two or three, stay out, there's a dog out the back, he's not so kind, I'm like, definitely not filming out the back then, he's like, film the front, I'm like, and what, the kitchen? He's like, yeah, perfect. I'm like, what's the point in this? And he's like, well, hopefully, like, what you can put together will make it look good enough that people will actually come see it. Um, and so if I'm looking there as a photographer there. We're like, this is terrible. So we're like, in and out in a flash. But that, to me, is sometimes a true reflection on what our life can look like, that we can have these little areas where things are going well, and that's what we present to people. Here's where I feel like I've got it all together, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you see this. But what I'm not going to do is let anybody see the mess in the, in the back of the house. I'm not going to let people enter this part of my life for fear of what they might see because it's not all together. Maybe there's some things there that just shouldn't be there. But I'm kind of happy just to leave it there or not show anyone or it's too difficult to work on. Or maybe I just can't see it anymore because I've been living with it for so long that it's just become a part of who I am. And of course, that's eventually going to affect the outside part of our life. But there's a tendency in us to want to protect that. 
But what these verses point out to us so clearly is that Lord is really interested in what's going on on the inside of our lives. And what that speaks to for me is our character. It speaks to our character. You know, these verses continue and it says, Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel has seven sons. It's a lot of sons. All of them probably young, strong. The Bible says good-looking characters. And Samuel looks at each of them from the outside and thinks the possibility could be them. But he is looking for something else that he hasn't found in these seven boys. And I believe there's a few things in this inside-out life idea. I just spoke to character a second ago. Character is the first one. That I believe there's a few of these things if we can just focus on, apply to our lives, live out in our lives, it'll allow us to build a life from the inside to the outside that has God working all the way through it. And actually the outside of our life will begin to look more like what God wants it to look like because of what we've been able to do on the inside. Does that make sense this morning? So the first one of these is, is character. And I just used that illustration about that video, but there's another one on this. I was, while I was on my 13-day staycation, I went, for a, I went for a little swim in my pool. It was hot, so I thought, I'm going to go for a swim. And, and we're swimming in there, and I, like, I noticed this little bug. And I was like, yeah, that's gross. Like, kind of grabbed it. Get out. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm like, there's another one. It's like, that's weird. And then there's another one. I'm like, I don't like these things. So I got out. I'm like, trying to, like, look in the fence line. Where are these things coming from? Like, what's the go? Next day, I come out, and there's, like, more again. I'm like, what are these things? And where are you coming from? Like, do you just like swimming? Like, why are you going in here? You, you go in here and you drown. But the next day, there's a few more. And we're starting to like Google and look like, what, what are these things? At the same time, I began to look at uh, my lawn. I did some um, landscaping last year. I had this, this nice lawn and everyone told me it was good. And you kill things, you won't kill this. I'm like, this is awesome. And it'd been growing like so fast. I'm like, it grows so fast, I have to mow it all the time. But then I, I looked and like half of it wasn't growing anymore. Oh, this doesn't seem right. And we start Googling these bugs and uh, apparently they turned out to be a thing called army worms. Has anyone heard of army worms? If you've heard of army worms online, give us an army worm emoji. I know there is one. But what army worms do is they get under the surface. I had to message Rod. Rod's here somewhere. He's my lawn expert. Uh, if you need lawn tips, Rod, Rod will give you not just the tips, but the products that you can use. I think I have these things called army worms. He's like, mate, that's no good. He's like, put some detergent on your lawn. You'll see them come up. So I did that, but I didn't really need to because there's like a thousand of them in my pool. Um, I'm like, I know I have them. They're everywhere. But what these little things do, they get underneath. They start at the bottom of your lawn. So the top's like green now. I'm like, no, oh, this is good. It's green. And then I pour detergent on there. I'm like, underneath it's black. And these little things are like this big. They're just like munching away on my lawn, munching away on my plants. I'm like, it's my job to kill these things, not yours. And, and it's like eating them and eating and what they reckon is within like a week, these things will just completely like chew out anything that's alive in your backyard and then move on. I'm like, please move on to next door. No. I'm like, I let him know. But the reality is how these things can start in our lives is there's little things like maybe it's just a little tiny thing in our life that's on the inside that we have hidden. And it just sits there and it chews away. And another thing. And, another, and then eventually the outside of our life starts to fall apart because the inside wasn't right in the first place. And this to me is a, a perfect example of character. Is that when we have those little things in our, in our lives that we know kind of aren't kind of right, maybe they shouldn't be there, 
Maybe something on, we react on the outside. No, I can do this path. I can react to something on the outside as a result of something that was happening on the inside. And I tend to want to deal with just the bit on the outside and fix that bit up and not actually get to the, the cause of it. So you'll be pleased to know I've been spraying all this stuff that Rod recommended to me on my lawn. It's, it's starting to look green again, which is good. So I think the army worms are being defeated. Come on. Don't come back now. Yeah. Lawn champ. Is that what you said? I appreciate that. That's Rod's, that's Rod's title, actually. Don't, don't try and give me his. But here's the reality. We need to clean up what's happening on the inside in order to have the life on the outside that we want to have. And in the life of David, we see that he was a man of character. You see it all the time in the, in the things that he did. He had a character that wasn't perfect. I love that the Bible never tells us to be perfect. Imagine how deflating that would be. Like, in order to walk in the life I have for you, be perfect. You're like, flip. But he doesn't do that. A couple of little things maybe you can write down about character. Here's, here, I'll give you a couple of things that I think will help you and, and certainly do help me. One is to, to develop a rhythm, and we've got a book here called Rhythm and Flow. It's so helpful around habits. Dean uh, wrote that to, to kind of help us as a church around developing habits and rhythm in our lives that center us around the Word of God and those kind of spiritual disciplines, prayer, kind of listening to the voice of God. If you don't have a routine of that in your life, there's going to be a huge lack of God on the inside of who you are. And so to spend that time, whether it's, you know, daily is awesome, as much as you can daily, getting around the, the Word of God. And don't just kind of go, all right, tomorrow it's Monday, I'm going to start. But actually develop a plan, a reading plan. Build habits into your life that allow you to easily connect with God, to connect with His Word, to process His Word for yourself. If you're coming to church on Sundays and just letting us kind of shape your life through preaching, it, it, it's good for you, but it's not going to develop on the inside of you the same way it will if you're reading the Word every day. Spend time in prayer with God, processing that. The second one is this, accountability. Sometimes one of those words that, that aren't so uh, fun to think about, but to have people in your life that are willing to have the difficult conversations with you, that are willing to, to call things out of you that maybe you know are there or maybe you don't even see. What I appreciate about that joke before is that Michelle awkwardly would be like, hey man, your shirt's inside out. Like it would have been easier to kind of just let me go about my day with my shirt inside out, maybe even have a bit of like a snicker about it. And be like, <laughs> like, and so many people that can't see the inside of your life aren't going to be able to point that stuff out to you. Some people won't do it purely because it's uncomfortable. You've got to find those people and be like, hey man, what was that about? Why did you react like that? Why, why have you got that habit in your life? Or to encourage you in the, hey, I just want to get a better rhythm and flow in my life. Would you just speak into that for me? Can you ask me how I'm going? Hey, could we message each other about what you're reading and what I'm reading? Hey, could we maybe even get a coffee and talk about not just what happened on the weekend, but let's just talk about what's happening in God's word. And begin to gather with others. It's so much easier to do things with others and have the perspective of others than it is just to go about life by ourselves. Because if we want to be inside out kind of people that are interested in the things that God is interested in, we've got to continue to work on our character. And it's not about being, this is the level I got to get to, but it's about where am I on the journey? What is my next step? Where am I walking? And who am I doing it with? And if we can develop our character, it's going to go so far to having the outside life that we want but it's going to be built from the inside. Is that all right? We're going, to, we're going to keep reading. Verse 11, it says this. So he asked Jesse. Remember, he's, he's, he's looking for, he's gone through seven sons. And he says, are these all the sons you have? I'm like, I would ask that question at the beginning when he brought all seven out. Like, are these all the sons you have? But he's like, do you have any more? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. 
Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Not that Samuel still has to like, kind of like point out a little bit of his outside features just to like reassure everyone that he's not the ugly duckling or something. You know, like he, he was glowing with health, you know, and he was still handsome. Don't worry, a king's going to be handsome. But the reality is he, he, he still points out that outside, but he looks and goes, David didn't even get an invite to the party. Wasn't even considered. Hey, get your, he went and got all seven of his sons, like left one out in the park. But you know what it speaks to me about what's happening in David's life there is that he is both faithful and humble. That there is a faithfulness and a humility about David on the inside of who he is that was reflected on what he was doing. You know, these guys have, there's a, there's a prophet in town. Everyone's probably, you know, they ask him if he comes in peace. They're probably a little bit hyped that something different is happening. And everyone kind of flocks to them. And, and the seven sons, he's like, It'll be, you know, it's going to be one of these. And David's just out doing what he's supposed to be doing. And I love this idea of, Things happening in our lives because of our faithfulness. So you might be looking up and going, well, what's my next step? When, it, when, when is there this promotion? When will there be this next thing for me? My question to you be, is, is what are you doing with what's in your hand right now? What small things are you doing in your life right now that will build to the next thing that's ha- going to happen in your life? David didn't need to be in the room to be seen as the next king because the, the suitable ones weren't there. He was out being suitable being faithful, and this is not a knock on the other brothers. There's not enough mentioned about them. But there's this faithfulness and this humility about David, not looking to be seen. He's actually anointed in a small crowd. I want to illustrate it a little bit more this way as well. I I don't know. I'm just a sports fan, so it was a, you know, love entering stuff like this. But I don't know what anyone else was doing Friday night, but there was a man by the name of Lance Franklin. Has anyone heard of Lance Franklin before? Goes by the name Buddy buddy. He did a thing that only six other, five other people have done before. He's the sixth person to do it. He kicked a thousand goals in his AFL career. Now, a lot of you are like, who cares about that? But let me tell you, a lot of people have played football and only five others have ever done this before. So it's kind of a big deal and kind of a big deal. And it played out this way. Can we show this video? I just want to, I just want to show this. Look at this. So this is him. This looks like a, a guy having a shot for goal, nothing major. And then watch this. Like people just go nuts. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel for him right there because I don't like riding on the train to the football because, like, there's too many people standing around me. But this dude, like, just kicks a goal and, like, 15,000 people have run out to kind of celebrate what he's achieved, which is a remarkable achievement. It took 30-something minutes to clear people off the ground. They had to, like, like 15,000 people, they had to amass him, like, over, like, just kept moving him this way. And then it was so packed that two players playing for the team had to actually just leave the stadium and walk around the streets of Sydney in their kit to get back through the door to get back out. And so it took 30 minutes to clear it for five more minutes of game time. Like, it's outrageous. But this one achievement from one person just brought everything to a standstill. And so many people felt part of it that they felt the need to jump the fence and run out and celebrate with him. And I look and I go... I was wondering what his response would be because he's not necessarily the loudest, most outspoken person. But what he talked about afterwards, he said, that moment I'll never forget. How could you being monstered by 15,000 people? But he celebrates this all-time achievement that he's done, something they reckon no one ever will do again. Like it's, it's predicted that no one could ever 
in the way football goes now, do that again. So he has done something that probably no one will ever do again. And he's like, I appreciate all the celebration. It was amazing. But I'm humbled by kind of 18 years of people going on the journey with me. I had a look and I was like, I wonder how many behinds Lance Franklin's kicked. Does anyone know? 701. So the guy's kicked straight a thousand times, but he's missed 701 times. And I look and go, his journey is not defined by that moment. That's a great celebration of a moment. But his journey is defined by 18 years of getting up every day and practicing his kicking. 18 years of rehabbing an injury. 18 years of, of missing 701 goals, highs and, and lows and moving teams and all these different things along the way. And it's easy to look at that moment and go, that's what success looks like. But that was one time out of a thousand that all those people ran out to celebrate with him. And I look and go, we often can just look for the moment, the next big thing, the new house I'm going to move into, the promotion I'll get in my job, the pay rise that I might be chasing after, that new car, whatever it might be. None of those things necessarily bad. What, what happened there is not bad, but it's not defining of who we are as people. What will get us that, that outside thing that we're, we're looking for and building our lives is faithfully going about our life day by day by day, humbly doing the things that the Lord calls us to do. And I truly believe that taking those steps one at a time are what define who we are and what define what the outside of our life looks like. And we need to be focused on humbly walking, faithfully doing the things that God calls us to do. Love this. So it says here, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. It says Samuel then went to Ramah. You know, here, here's the reality of David being anointed king. They pluck him out away from the sheep. They anoint him in front of his family. He's going to become king. But you know, they, they don't know exactly, I couldn't find exactly how old David was. They, they, they anticipate he was somewhere between 10 and 15 years old when this happened. So let's call it 15. Let's go for, for the, the, the oldest age he could be. He's 15 years old. You're going to be king. He was 30 when he became king. 15, you're going to be the next king of Israel. God's favor is no longer on Saul. It's on you. You know what he probably had to do after that anointing ceremony is go back and look after the sheep. You know, then he goes and serves Saul and he goes and there's that famous story. He gets that giant, what's it, Goliath? And Saul goes after him and has to make all these decisions. All these things happen before he becomes king. You know, if it was me, I probably would have had a little bit of that Simba action going on. You know, like, a, I just can't wait to be king thing, like strutting around like already king, but, <laughs> but you're not, <laughs> but you're going to be. Kind of start calling the shots like you're going to be king. But no, he goes back and he tends the sheep, gets Goliath, then still doesn't walk around like, hey, I'm the man. All of these things happen and they, they lead him to, to be king and then there's all these highs and lows in his life of being king. But you know what I, I think gets him through that time and, and, and leads him to, to be king and, and, and do the great things that he did was that he was led by the Holy Spirit. You know, it says so clearly here that as he did it, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. You know, if we want to live an inside-out life, it has to be driven and led by the Holy Spirit. 
See, the outside, inside way is listen to what all the noise says. And let me tell you, we live in a noisy world, don't we? Like there's all kinds of advice coming from everywhere. Like you watch TV for five minutes, now I need a new car. You want to live in this suburb that has this brand new community that you can live in and uh, all these different things. Things to compare to other people. What have you got? What have I, you know, the outside tries to define us by all this noise that the world telling us what we want. I was uh, reading a, a news article, the other, well, no, I wasn't. I was looking at the news the other day. And I scrolled down and I see this article. It's like, what you should be earning for your age. And I was like, what? And so you could basically click this link and it would go, you're between this age and this age. This is exactly what you should be earning. And I was like, I am not clicking that. Like, <laughs> like part of me was like, oh, I'm cute. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> like, you're going to be heading for disappointment. Maybe, I don't know, I didn't look. But the reality is there's a news article that can tell you how much money you should be earning or, or what your life should look like. I, I don't want my life to be defined by those things. I want it to be defined by where the Holy Spirit is leading me. I don't want to make a decision on what car I should have or what house I should have or what life I should have based on what someone else tells me. I want to make the decisions in my life that lead me to have those things based on where the Holy Spirit leads me and guides me. You know, so many times in life I've made, had to make decisions. I don't know if anyone else is like this, where you, you go, this seems like a weird decision to make, but I feel like it's right. Like, the only way you can explain it is I, I, I think God is leading me in this direction. So you make the decision and it, and it works out awesome. And there's been other times where I'm like, this decision is a no-brainer. Like, I'm just going to go and do it. It just feels right. And I'm like, why did I do that? And it's the times where I pause and we pause and we pray and we say, Spirit of God, what are you doing here? Lead me, guide me, help me make these good decisions. Help me bring the right counsel around me, to have the right friends to hold me accountable. Speak to me out of your word. Bring life to your word. Help guide my life. That that's when the best things in life seem to happen. But so often, it become, we, because we're trained to go outside in, we look outside and go, what, what's everybody else doing? Oh, I'll just do that. But what David does is he looks at what God is saying to him. And you see it through all the writings and the things he does. He's like, Holy Spirit, what, what is happening here? That's the decision I'll make. Why was he able to get Goliath? Because he just did what God told him to do. Faithfully and humbly, with good character. Here, you need all this army. No, you don't. You just need to be following what God calls you to do. And I believe if we can be these people that have just got good, deep character, that we're faithful and humble in the things that we do, faithfully just serve God. And ultimately, the loudest voice we hear is His voice in our life. The Holy Spirit, the counselor, the helper, the one who's released upon us to help us live this life that looks wildly different for each of us. I look around this, this room, I know online at Malu, wildly different lives we live. But you know what unites us all is that we're all led by the Holy Spirit to live out our faith and we get to do that together. How, could, how much different could life look if we walked in that every day? Think about my own life and go, what if I just spent a few moments every day just working on my character a bit more? having a check inside and going, what, what, what's that about? To just go about my life humbly and faithful, not worried about what's next, not worried about opportunities, not worried about what I don't have or, or what could be, but just to walk faithfully with my God. And then ultimately to be led and guided by His Holy Spirit. That the decisions I make, that the prayers that I pray, that the words that I read, that the actions that I take would be led by the Holy Spirit that then there could be no doubt that it would be wrong. What would separate God's people from everybody else is that we could be led and defined by the Holy Spirit. 
And that the way we live our lives is not having to tell people about God, it's living it out. That people would ask questions about our lives because of what the Holy Spirit is doing. That we wouldn't have to be in the room like the seven sons. We could be out doing whatever we would be doing and God knows where we are and is leading and guiding us along the way. And so I would simply just love to pray for us today wherever we are. So wherever you are, I'd ask if we could stand. And I want to just pray these things over us. And pray that as we go out into our weeks, that we would be people of character, that we would be faithful and humble, and that we would be led by the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good? Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you don't call us to be perfect people. You don't require us to have it all together. That we don't need to know 10 steps in front. But Lord, we just need to faithfully walk and be led by you. And so, Lord, I pray this week we would be people who work on our character. We work on what's happening on the inside of our lives. Lord, even as we stand here, would you reveal to us those things that are there that you want us to work on? Maybe things that we can see, things that we know about. Lord, maybe there's some things you want to show us today that we would be better off without. Lord, that we would be people who are known as as faithful and humble servants of you. And most of all, Lord, I pray that we would be a people who are led by your Holy Spirit. That we would not go to the left or the right or we would not take a step in front without focusing on who you are. And the loudest voice in our lives would not be an outside voice, but an inside whisper of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, this week I pray as we leave here that we would be led and we would be guided by you to live an inside out kind of life. So lead us and guide us this week, we pray. 